0: started talking about some of the mysteries of Christmas, and I'm going to spend this week and next week doing the same. We talked last week about the <clears throat> Incarnation, the fact that God came in flesh. And uh, it's, it's an amazing concept when we try to imp- work it into our lives. This morning I want to talk about a second mystery, and it's tied to the Incarnation, but it has a little bit different aspect to it. And that is... The Virgin Birth of Christ. Um, Isaiah chapter seven um, and verse fourteen says this. Uh, guys, will put it up on the screen here. It says, "So the oh, wait, oh no, that's Isaiah seven fourteen. That's uh, there we go, there we go. Did I put those in the wrong order? No, yeah, I did. Okay, all right. I want to go to this one first. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel." Um, this is a prophecy from Isaiah uh, in the Old Testament, and this is kind of where we want to spend our, our, our focus this morning. There, is, there are in the scriptures a number of um, unusual, spectacular births, if you will. Um, there was the birth of Isaac. Uh, there was the birth of Samuel. There was the birth of, of John the Baptist. All of those were unusual and, and, and special, but none of them compared to the miraculous birth of Jesus when we talk about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Um, And before I get going, I need to put a little... I need to make sure we're all on the same page with stuff. We're a non-denominational church, and by that, what I mean is we have people from all kinds of uh, different backgrounds. And so I want to kind of draw some lines a little bit so we all know um, where we are and where we're not. Um, So uh, let me talk a minute to those of you who are from a Roman Catholic background. Uh, we have a number of people here who were raised or, or brought up in a Roman Catholic church. And you need to understand that, that we and Protestantism and Evangelicalism and everybody else in, in, in that circle um, have very different views when we get to this issue of the virgin birth and Mary and those kinds of things. So let me help you understand some that they teach that we're not going to be in agreement with, well, we're going to to see a different little... We're going to see it differently, okay? Um, When you get to Roman Catholic theology, there are basically four issues tied to this virgin birth thing that we're going to differ on. One is the Roman Catholic Church is going to teach what's called the uh, perpetual virginity of Mary. They're going to teach the idea that Mary was always a virgin. Um, And... um, we're going to differ there. Um, And, and, you know, we can go into the Greek language and why we don't believe that. And we can go into the idea of Jesus' brothers and sisters and what they say and what we say and all that. But uh, we don't see that as a clear teaching of Scripture. We see it rather as a teaching of the Church. And and I understand that in Roman Catholic theology that the Church and Scripture are... uh, The teaching of the Church is on par or equal to the Scripture. So... When you understand that, you understand that that's okay for those kinds of things to um, to come along, and they say, "Well, you know, this is what we we teach, so this is what we're going to embrace." So there's that aspect. There is what they call the Immaculate Conception, and the idea behind that is the idea that Mary had a sinlessness about her, and we would we would differentiate with that because Romans 3 says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we would see a difference there. We would say, well, <clears throat> although she was special, she was not sinless. Okay? Um, the third idea of Roman Catholic theology is the idea of the assumption of Mary. This has the idea that uh, Mary, <clears throat> technically they won't say Mary didn't die, but they'll say that Jesus carried her to heaven. Okay? Um, they'll say that, that her and Jesus had a, or, or that, that, that she ascended um, into heaven. Much like, if you want to parallel in the, old, in, the, in the Bible, it would be like Elijah, something like that. Okay. Um, we don't believe that the, the scripture teaches that idea. Um, and the fourth idea is what's called the veneration of Mary. And th- th- this has the idea that they believe because Mary was the mother of God that she holds a very, very special place. Um, In in theology, and that's why if you go into a Roman Catholic Church, not only will you see pictures of Jesus and and statues of Jesus, but you'll see um, a a big focus on Mary as well. Um, And we believe that the scripture teaches that Mary was blessed among women, but not blessed above women. Um, and so we would see a difference there. So there are some differences. So for those of you who are from that background, as we start to talk about the virgin birth, I know that the second we talk about that, all of a sudden Mary comes to the forefront, and and although we believe that Mary is um, an incredible young lady, um, we're not going to put her at that level, okay, as we deal with this. So uh, just some background as we as we head into that. So with that in mind, um, I, I want to lay some groundwork for the virgin birth. And what you need to understand is that this is a, a, um, this is a concept that actually goes all the way back to Genesis. right? And A lot of times when, when we talk about the virgin birth, we start in, in Matthew, or we start in Luke, or we start, or we start in Isaiah. Um, but what you need to understand is the virgin birth, this concept, this idea is actually rooted all the way back in Genesis. And that becomes important for our understanding. So, Genesis chapter 3, here's the story. Uh, God has created Adam and Eve. Um, They have sinned. God is now doling out the consequences of their sin. So, he addresses uh, the issue. He's going to address the issue of sin to, okay, Satan, these are your consequences. Mary, these are your consequences. Uh, Adam, these are your consequences. So that's, that's the context of the passage we're looking at. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, here's what it says. Listen to the passage. It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your bedding you shall go, and dust you shall eat, all the days of your life. Going on. Um, oh, man. I cut that off. All right. Um, hang on. I'm going to read it to you. Because what happened was the computer crashed this morning. So... Um, uh, yeah, I know, it, it says, all, yeah, you got to change font and all that. Don't worry about it. Um, so here's what he says. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, what he does is God looks at, at, at Satan and he says, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to put enmity, I'm going to put this, this battle, if you will, between you and a woman, between your seed, and this is what's important, and her seed. Now, for those of you who are familiar with biology, her seed? It don't work like that, does it? So why does God, in the very beginning, make that distinction? Why does God, in the very beginning, make the distinction between the seed of Adam and the seed of the woman. Therein lies a very, very important principle. Um, in theology we call this the proto The idea that the gospel is first introduced in Genesis. Not in John, not in Matthew, not in Mark, not in the Old, old. At the very beginning, when man sinned, the first thing that God does is lay groundwork To make it right again. But in order to do that. It's very complicated. It's a mystery. In that how. Is God. Going to come in flesh. Which has now been contaminated. Through the seed of Adam. How is he going to do that. And still be holy. And pure. And without sin. The the key. Is in this thing. About between your seed and her seed. The virgin birth now becomes very, very important. So as we talk about it, let me give you some implications of it and, 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 and why it is all so important to us as believers today. Um, I'm going to lose some of you for a minute, so you just kind of put it in park and then we'll come back to you. But for those of you who've been around the Bible for a long time, I'm going to take you down a rabbit trail for about five minutes and then we're going to come back. To help you understand something that most people, when they talk about the virgin birth, do not understand. One of the things that, one of the problems that you have in the Old Testament when you start studying the lineage of Jesus and and everything else is there was a king um, called Jehoiakim, Jehoiachim, Konya, they have different names for him. But he is mentioned um, in, uh, I think it's Jeremiah, Uh, and there's a curse put upon him. He disobeyed God, and there was a curse put upon him. And the curse that was put upon him was, no seed of you shall ever sit on the throne of David. You're done. From this point on, no king comes from your line. Now that was an incredible curse in that day. But it was a curse from God Almighty. There are a couple interpretations to that, because here's the problem. Guess who's in the lineage Jesus. So how does Jesus get to be king if this guy was cursed from the very beginning? There are a couple of interpretations. Some Bible scholars look at it and say, well, the curse was only to his immediate children. There are some people that say, well, later he repented and under Zerubbabel the curse was lifted. There are other people like me and other Bible scholars who believe this. God is so incredible that here's what he does. When you look at the lineage of Jesus, Joseph's lineage goes through Jehoiakim. Mary's does not. So when you see this idea of the virgin birth and the idea that Jesus' father was God, not, Mary, not Joseph, you see that God, even in his infinite wisdom, is able to bypass A curse that people wanted to be able to go, see, Jesus can't be the the king. He can't be the son of David. It's a fascinating idea and that that God protects even this, this idea of Jesus being born as a virgin even through that. One of the things that's important for you to understand is that because of the virgin birth, because Jesus Christ came through Mary and not Joseph, guess what? Now, in Adam, remember I said there were two seeds? So let's go back to this. So you and I are born in Adam. But over here is a seed of Christ. Romans chapter 5 is going to argue it this way the second Adam. There is this seed of Adam, flesh. There is this seed of God, the second Adam, Christ perfect, sinless. And so you see then this idea of two laid out for us. This side, sinless, without sin. That side, sin. And so you see that because Jesus, because God is the father of Jesus, and by the way, for those of you who maybe struggle with the issue of um, abortion or those kinds of issues, you need to study the birth of Jesus Christ. There's a fascinating story in that when Mary is pregnant with Jesus, and best case scenario, we figure she's probably a month along, somewhere along there. She comes to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, who's carrying John the Baptist. And the minute that she walks in the room, it says that John the Baptist slept in the womb because he recognized Jesus. You see, there's this incredible thing about God being born as a child that is a mystery you and I cannot understand. That God would wrap himself in flesh, that God would come as a child, that God would have to God who had never sleep who who never needs sleep would now have to sleep. God who had never taken something to drink or taken something to eat would now need food and water. The fact that God would now have to shelter himself from the very storms that he's in charge of. The fact that God who created trees is now going to hang on one. I mean, I, I mean there's just so much involved in this, in this idea of Jesus coming in the form of a child in the virgin birth that's amazing for us. But you see, it's the only way because why? He, we, in order for someone to take our place, he had to be a man. He had to be a human. He couldn't just come down and do it as God. He had to be He had to shed his blood, so there had to be flesh. And so, as we talked about, Emmanuel, God with us, he comes in his flesh to do that. And the virgin birth, the thing about the virgin birth is it it, it allows me to have a choice. First Adam, second Adam. It allows me to choose. One of the things that we have learned, and I, I learned early in my life, because my dad was an executive with Texaco. We moved every three, four years. Um, some of you are fortunate. All of your family's in the area. You've always known your family. Your family's always been around. You just, you know, you, I mean, you walk into a store and you know you're related to this person and that person and all this. Honestly, 90% of my relatives on the Thomas side or the Ashworth side could walk into this room and I'd have no idea who they are, okay? Because we moved every three years, up and moved, up and moved, up and moved. So I I, I developed an idea and a concept in my world that family is kind of whoever you accept as family. So what I learned was that there's a family I was born into, that's my biological family. I don't have any say in this one. Then there's the family I choose. To be part of my family. Those are two very different things. And what I would say to Hugh is this is the story of the virgin birth. This is the story of Genesis chapter 3. There is Adam, the family you're born into. Then there is the second Adam, the family that you can choose to be a part of. And God, through the virgin birth, provides a way for us to be able to do that. Um, When you get to the Christmas story, the story that we're so familiar with... um, Here's what it says, uh, Matthew. Notice what it says. Now the birth of Jesus was on this. Was as follows. His mother Mary betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. You see, this was a, one of the reasons for an engagement during this time was to make sure that the person you were marrying was, was pure morally. And so this in and of itself, folks, would have been devastating to Joseph to find out that she wasn't who he thought she was. She wasn't who he thought she was. There you go. Okay? But all of a sudden, this woman that he had so many great plans and ambitions and things looking forward to, all of a sudden now he realizes, you know what, maybe she hasn't been faithful to me. And he had a couple of options as a man in that culture with women who had... Very little status, if any at all. He could have just ruined her life. Brought her up publicly, let everybody know she shamed him, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and Joseph was such a righteous, godly man. Joseph said, you know what, even though she was not faithful to me, I'm not going to do that to her. I still love her and care about her. I don't want to put her through that. So you know what, I'm just secretly going to go, you know what, this thing's off. And you, you, you go do your thing, I'm going to go do my thing. Because he was a good man. He was a good man. And notice what it says. Verse 20, it says that, uh, next First, guys. Uh, you don't have the rest of it? Oh, man. <sighs> okay, you know the story. He didn't do that, right? Okay, here's what it says. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. You know, one of the things, those of you that have children or have had children, you know, one of the big decisions is what what are you going to name her? What are you going to name him? What name are you going to give this child? They didn't even get to make that choice. God said, this is the way it's going to be. And you know what they said? And here's the amazing thing about Mary and Joseph. You know what they said? Okay. Mary said, okay, I'll endure all the shame. I'll endure the, well, you know what? You know, Joseph and I haven't, yeah, right, okay, sure. Yeah, uh uh-huh, time out, you know, we... Go sell it someplace else. We're not buying that. She was able to deal that. Jesus, by the way, you understand the entire childhood of Jesus, he would have been known as an illegitimate child. And that was a stigma in that day, by the way. And so he would have grown up that way. He could have come so many other different ways. But yet, in order for us to have salvation, it had to be this way. There had to be a virgin birth. In order for this, there had to be a way for Jesus to come through Not the seed of Adam, but the seed of Mary. And God made a way. And you and I are here today as believers because God made a way. Because God came to this earth, virgin born, sinless, lives a sinless life here. Willingly goes to a cross. Willingly dies in our place. Willingly sheds his blood. Willingly gives his body on a tree. Why? So that we can have eternal life. And all of that happened because he loved us and cared about us. As we get into it, the implications of it for us and the things that, that I think are important for us are very simple. Two things. Here's the first one. You've got to decide which seed you're from. You've got to look at your life and say, is my life characterized by the seed of Adam? Selfish, it's about me. Um, if I have to make a choice between God and me, I'm choosing me. That's what Adam did. He chose him. He didn't choose putting God in the picture at all. Or of the seed of Christ. Who said, you know what? I'm going to come. Not for. It's not about me. It's about what I can do for them. I'm going to give my life a ransom for them. I'm going to pour my life into them. I'm going to sacrifice my life for them. I'm going to come because I love them. Which one? You don't have any choice. We're all born into this family. And all I have to do is find somebody who knows you even a little bit, and they will say, yes, that person sins. That person, they're not sinless. Well, then how do you stand before God? And we talked about this last week in the incarnation. So all of a sudden now we're born here. We don't have any choice here. I don't have any choice on a biological family. Uh, they got what they got. But I have a choice about the family that I embrace as family. You know, my wife and I talked about it last week, and, and, and you know, you need to understand this is our, our, our heart more than anything, is the idea that, and can I tell the story we talked about last night? Dan's story? Okay, okay, all right, okay. Okay, so I don't know. Does Marcia know this? Okay, Marcia knows this. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Dan, um, we used to, we've done all kinds of things over 25 years here. One of the things that we used to do is Christmas caroling, and we went to a bank and we did Christmas caroling, and they were singing. We were singing a song, "I'll Be Home for Christmas." Okay, and my wife, God bless her. <laughs> I'm getting in trouble on that, aren't I? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Bless her heart. No, um, anyway, um, yeah, bless her heart. My wife, we had not been here that long, and my wife just bawled like a baby because she's from Virginia, and you've got to realize there is, I took the first Vaughn family member in the state of Virginia out of the state, okay? No one had left the state until we got married, and I looked at Charlie and said, hey, Charlie, uh, I'm going to take your daughter to Wisconsin, Okay. It took him a while to get over that. Okay. No Vaughn had ever left the state, and I'm now taking her not just like one state over. I'm taking her like five, six, seven states over. I'm taking a southerner up north. Okay. And, so, and so we spent three years in Wisconsin, and then we moved here, and then we were six, seven years here, and then we came out here, and it was a small church, and it was just an odd little group, and everybody's singing, I'll be home for Christmas, and my wife blubbering like a baby. And Dan's going, oh, I feel, you know, what do I, you know, Dan, you know, soft-hearted Dan, what do I do, you know? Well, Dan, I don't know what to do. It's all yours, man. Um, you know, so Dan, you know, comforts her and does what he can, you know, being Dan, he did whatever he could and that kind of thing. And then a couple years later, it came up again with something. And he made a comment to her, and she said, she made the comment, she said, Dan, you don't get it. I am home now. And it's the idea that in that time period, what had happened is we had taken the family that we were born with, that we were all focused on, and we had replaced it with this new family that was our family. This was now home. It was a choice that we made. And what I want you to understand is that you and I did not have a choice being born into this world as sinners. But we do have a choice what we do with the Savior. We do have a choice if we want to be part of that family. That's the choice that you have to make. That's what the Christmas story is about. And we have a God who was virgin born so that you and I could make that choice. He's not going to force himself on you. But you need to understand, if he did all of that, you know, I have people go, you know, well, I can't believe in a heaven and a hell. I can't believe it. Let me tell you something. If the God of the universe did all of that, and you look at him and you say, I don't want that. I can't imagine that God looking at you going, oh, okay, well, we'll just come up with another way for you. It's not going to work like that. I mean, it's pretty simple. He goes, you know what? You understand, this is what I did. This is what I did. This is what I did. I loved you. I did this, 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 and this. And you don't want any part of me? Okay. I'm going to give you what you want. You want any part of me? You got no part of me. Oh, no, no, I want a part of you now. No, no, no. Wait a minute. It's not like you get another shot at this. I gave you X number of years. I gave you X number of opportunities. I gave you all of these things. And you didn't want anything to do with me then. You you, you know, in golf, we call it a mulligan. You don't get a mulligan here. You know, you had your chance. And you go, well, that that just sounds cruel and harsh. Let me tell you something. When you understand what he did, you don't want to reject this. You don't want to reject this. You want to be part of this family. And it was just simply a free offer. And like I say, so for us, this became family for us. I read a quote this week by a guy by the name of O.S. Hawkins. He's a Southern Baptist guy. I actually got to meet him when we went to Israel um, on our trip. But I thought this was so good. Here's what he said. He said, at Bethlehem, we see God with us. At Calvary, we see God with us for us. At Pentecost, we see God in us. Let me say it again. At Bethlehem, we see God with us. At Calvary, we see God for us. And at Pentecost, we see God in us. That's the Christmas story. The Christmas story is that God came to this earth as a second Adam, sinless to offer us a way of salvation, a way to have access to God. He was our mediator. That's the Christmas story, God with us. The Easter story is God for us. That God had to go to a cross so that we could have eternal life. Pentecost is the idea of God in us. And here's the great thing. This is what you got to see. This is the full circle. God with us. God for us. God in us, so that what? So that the world can see who? That God came with us and for us and wants to be in us. And what's my challenge this week? My challenge this week is for me to live in such a way that people see Christ in me. Why? So that they can know that God came and dwelt with us. And died on a cross for us. And wants to be in your life as he is in my life. That's, that's what we need to do this week. That's what we need to show. And so we allow Christ to come out in our lives as we live this week. And that's your challenge. Do they see the Christmas story in your life? You know, oh, I, you know you're saying i got to go like preach to every person. No, no, no. Do they see you different than everybody else? Do they see... The first atom? Do they see a second atom? Do, do they see someone who was born in that family or somebody who was born in this family? And you and I have lots of opportunities. That's why we do the Christmas baskets, by the way. We just want people to know we love them. We want people to know we're thinking of them. We want people to know we th- we're praying for them. We want people to know we're in their corner. We want people to know we're there to help them. I want to challenge you. This week, look for the opportunities in front of you. They're all around you. I mean, think about, you know, I, my personal goal when I go out shopping is cashiers. Those are my people. Those are the people that I want to encourage and talk to. And I'll go, I'll look at them and I'll go, so how's your day going? Oh, you don't want to know. I said, I, you know what, I cannot even imagine. You know, and we get in, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful. You know, Next this past week I found myself at Walmart in a conversation with the cashier, the person in front of me, and the person behind me, and we were all joking. Why? They needed to see something different. Because they get griped at, and whined at, and yelled at, and, and cussed at, and everything else all the time. Why not bring a little bit of joy? Why not let them go, you know what, I don't know who that guy was. But he can come through my line anytime. And who knows? Who knows? See, I'm in a different, I'm in a different ballpark than you are. See? Because here's what I have to think about. What if that cashier walked into this building today? And if I had given her a piece of my mind because she didn't do something right and walked in there and goes, that guy? I don't think so. I'm out her. I'm going to be able to walk in there and go, hey, you know, I, I, that guy was in my line this week. I think I could listen to him. Christ in us. Why? Because God came with us and for us so that he could be in us, and we need to share that with the world. So, I end it this way for you this week. As you go into the week, the virgin birth reminds us of a God who is willing to do the seeming impossible. He provides a way to come as Emmanuel, God with us. Our challenge is to accept, love, worship him with our whole heart and action so that people may see Christ in us this week. May they see Christ in you. That's our challenge. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's so easy for us to run through our list and run through our stuff and forget, Lord, that people are watching and people need to see something different and people, Lord, need to see you in us. Lord, help us. Lord, there's some here today that may not have that assurance that, Lord, they do not know for sure that they have put their faith and trust in you. Would you help them to settle that? Lord, for those of us that do know you as our Savior, may we be clear in communicating to those around us that, Lord, we are part of another family. And that, Lord, we don't have to do things the way everybody else does. them, But that, Lord, we can show love and kindness and respect and humility in all that we do. And, Lord, we will give you the honor and the glory and the praise these things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, Let's stand, and we're going to sing the first...